You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Hey there, everybody. Sorry for the late episode this week. I was detained by a bunch of polar bears, and I only just now made my escape. But you know, what are we talking about polar bears for? It's officially summertime, and summertime means lots of fun summer parties and barbecues. So what exactly are you going to be bringing to all of these? Well, that brings us to today's sponsor. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's breads and spreads by Fred. Guys, I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll say it a million more times. Fred has some delicious treats that can only be found on his website. These flavors aren't found in stores. There are brownies and blondies and cookies and jams. Oh my goodness, guys, these are all so, so good. Guys, as I mentioned before, there are going to be a lot of parties this summer, and you're probably going to be expected to bring some snacks. So why not treat yourself and treat everybody you know to some Fred's BS? And guys, he's got some great seasonal stuff coming up. You can also get a BS box which comes with an assortment of goods and if you're an LA local you can actually waive the delivery fee and go pick your order up for free just go to fredsbs.com and use the coupon code no love lost to get 20% off your order once again that's coupon code no love lost and guys if you can't get enough no love lost in your life then go to the podcast jukebox network and you can order yourself a No Love Lost or Crazy About Kurt t-shirt. And guys, when you do that, you are directly supporting our podcast. And the best way to keep us on the air, as it were, would be by supporting our sponsors and buying merchandise from the podcast jukebox. Those are the best way to support us directly. Um, but if you can't, we completely understand. It means a lot that you guys listen, and it means a lot that you guys share these episodes with people that you know and on social media and everything like that. So guys, it really means the world to us. Thank you so much to everybody who supported our sponsors. Thank you so much to everybody who spread the word, and thank you so, so much for listening. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something Supposing anybody even know There are times we hang our heads In sadness we know There's no love lost We had to go back. Did we, though? Did we? Did we really? Did we? You know what? You're right. Show's done. <laughs> Show's over. Oh, that was easy. <laughs> uh, welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast in which we break down every second of the greatest television <laughs> show of all time. Much of what you said is very much debatable. Um... I'm Will Link, with me as always. Megan Salinas, hey everybody. And we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 6, Abandoned. Now, I will say, if you look at the thumbnail for this episode on streaming services, Hulu in particular, 
Uh, like, you wouldn't think this was a Shannon episode because the thumbnail is of Claire, her baby, and Locke. And I went, <laughs> what? I thought this was a Shannon episode. Why show the thumbnail from the B plot? <laughs> That's weird. I might even argue C plot. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it goes somewhere later, but like in this episode, it doesn't really super get resolved. But this is. The Shannon Dies episode. I mean, that's Ooh. what this is. Uh, by the way, uh, spoiler alert for all of Lost, I guess. If this is randomly your first episode of No Love Lost, we spoil the whole show. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, if you just tuned into this. And I've never watched Lost, but let me listen to this episode uh, about episode six, season two. And then you heard, like, in Shannon Dies in this episode, you have yourself to blame. <laughs> Um, I will say that I, I I have family who I'm sure have no desire to ever watch Lost, but would love to support me. So if, if you're a family or friends that is listening, not because you love Lost, but because you love me, I want to say I love you back. And who killed Shannon? Well, it was written by JR El- Elizabeth no. Sarnoff and directed by Adam Davidson. So they are partly so responsible. Adam and for- Elizabeth killed Shannon. How dare they? Yeah, they did. They did. Um, let's before we get into the meat of the episode, let's talk about Shannon's death a little bit. Oh, you want to do that like right at the top? Why don't we get it off the top? Okay. Because why not? Because it, so then it's not the specter well, hanging over this, this. This is such an interesting thing for the show to have done because if you look at the number of episodes. It wasn't that long since the last major character death, which was Boone. Yeah. So not only did Boone die, but then Shannon followed shortly after. And this was Shannon's first flashback episode. And now only flashback episode. So what I think is interesting about killing her here, and this is something that television would repeat in Walking Dead, I'm looking in your direction in particular, is uh, there there are a few modern television shows that I feel like lately and mostly Walking Dead is what I'm thinking of where they have not necessarily a minor character but they have a more minor character that all of a sudden almost apropos of nothing they will start giving a lot of character development to in a short amount of time and what that does is build up pathos and it makes you think oh okay this character's going somewhere there's going to be an arc and then as a surprise that character gets killed off right after we're just getting to know them yeah and on the one hand i think this can be really effective and shocking if used correctly and if used sparingly I feel like TV has gotten a little too comfortable with this formula. It it has. And Lost was kind of an early, like you said, it was an early, early uh, adapter, adapter yeah. of this. I don't know if this is the first series to ever pull that in, in this particular way, but it's certainly a memorable one from... From when, you know, I was watching television dramas back in the day. I can't really think of any other dramas that devoted a lot of time to one character. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that episode, that person was dead. The deaths on Lost always hit me harder than the deaths on a lot of other shows. And one, maybe it's because I just love the show and I love these characters. But two, I do think it's the way they 
handle a lot of these deaths. And I think because of the mystery box nature of the show, whether you would agree there's a plan or not, it feels like part of a plan and a purpose. And whereas, you know, when you watch something like The Walking Dead, it suddenly feels very arbitrary. I'd say the first couple times it doesn't. Yeah. But then once you catch on to what they're doing, because that's that's the best thing about pulling something like this is when you catch the audience off guard and then you don't pull that trick again. Because I, I think Lost is an offender of the, they used this formula too much because they use it with, spoiler alert again, they use it with Mr. Echo, they use it with Ana Lucia, they use it with Nikki and Paolo, they use it several more times right before killing off those characters. And yeah. and on the one hand, I, I get being able to use this as a tool in your bag of trips tricks to keep the audience off guard on the other hand again you use it too much and and people start to notice the you know it's like if you pull the same trick on stage over and over again people are going to start to be able to figure out how you did it and once people become aware of what you're doing it doesn't feel it doesn't feel the same so, anymore it feels exploitive so how do you feel about shannon's death then i think in, in regards to that particular formula, I'm fine with it. I think, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, I, I did not expect it all. I didn't see it coming. And I think, to an extent, it works with Mr. Echo as well. Um, it's, it's when you start getting more of it that I start having a problem with. But that's not the only thing about this death. If Because on the one like I said, I, I'm conflicted because I think... For being a first-time use of this formula, it's exceedingly effective. But I have a lot of problems with the choice to kill off this character in particular because she wasn't getting a whole lot of development. She didn't well, get a whole lot of development well, in season one. Well, uh, go ahead. Here's the other thing. At this point in the series, ever since Boone died, anything about Shannon was really also about Boone. Yeah. It was like, it was... She was the sad character who couldn't get over her brother's death. And they never... And I I don't know whether it was that the writers didn't know what to do with her at that point. Or it was, uh, eh, well, we just keep giving her this boon sadness stuff and she's watching Vincent. They gave her a puppy and then they killed her. Yeah. And my my big problem with it is that they... She didn't... She never got the chance to be her own character outside of Boone and and we've talked a lot about that in our coverage of season one but my main issue with it is that her death had very little to do with her and it had more to do with Saeed and his feelings on the matter and to me that makes it feel like she got fridged and that's where my issues sort of begin with it as again mechanically speaking it's a great way to get the audience caught off guard but from like you take another step back and you look at it and you're like "Ooh, this is a this is a woman getting killed for saeed's man pain mm. and like that's i have a little bit of a problem with well that. they were the, the writers did or i should say lindelof and, and coos they um it they they basically said that the death was 
serve two purposes for them for a greater storytelling uh, mm-hmm. uh, way. One was able to spin Saeed off in a different direction. Although you could have just had them break up. Yeah. Their relationship <laughs> wasn't like that solid to begin with. He was in love with someone else. She didn't need to die. <laughs> um, but when he says in this episode... I'll that, never leave you. I'm like, hold on a minute. <laughs> but I also believe him. I don't know how much I do. <laughs> um, but like... Um, and then, I don't know. It's weird. The other... Uh, the other thing being, they needed something, and I, I get this. This makes sense to me. From a storytelling standpoint, I mean, maybe there was another way to do it. But they needed a difficulty in connecting the tailies with our, you know, our other survivors. And they needed something, like, for them to conflict about. And well, killing one of them would be a pretty big... I mean, it doesn't it get bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, you see the look on Anna, Luce, Anna Lucia's face at the end of the episode, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is not good. Mm. That being said, go ahead. But, like, okay, so this is going to sound terrible, but if you were going to, like, Shannon, and this isn't the actress's fault. This isn't, this is a problem with her development in season one and the beginning of season two. Who is the most expendable person at that point? If you wanted to kill someone off... Scott. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) That's the thing. If you wanted to kill somebody off, who would it be? And I mean, sadly, at that point, she is the most expendable main character. I mean, only because they chose to not do anything with her after she tried to get revenge on John Locke. Yes, they came into season two knowing they were going to do this. So... So Maggie Grace, uh, that leads me to believe Maggie Grace like went into that well, season knowing she'd only be there a and few episodes. That's the other thing is that I feel like in the years since this happened, and and we were talking a little bit about this offline, and we haven't found any other sort of corroborating evidence towards this. But Shannon was a pretty unpopular character um, because she was presented as pretty shallow in season one. So she was a pretty unpopular character. She was even originally conceived as, like, the Paris Hilton type, you know? So part of me wonders whether or not this was an early case of what would we would later see with Nikki and Paolo, where they had an unpopular character, and they just decided, instead of giving her the development that they were originally planning, they were just going to kill her. But there's also... <clears throat> I mean, there's also the issue of actor schedules, Living in Hawaii kind of limits the amount of roles you can take on the continental U.S. So, and as we saw, you know, Maggie Grace got involved with a lot of films after Lost, you know, after her time on Lost came and went. So is this an issue of, like, just the actress had other offers on the table? Is this, like, did it have nothing to do with the character's quote-unquote popularity? We don't really know. I mean, we know, like, the actor who played Mr. Echo wanted off the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I Living in that. Hawaii was hard. I mean, when you... I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't think it would be hard, but it was hard. I wouldn't want to live in Hawaii. I might. <laughs> um, uh, don't get me wrong. Here's the thing. And that's the thing, is, like, living in Hawaii sounds like a dream. It really so does. you're so cut off from You everything. are. If we have any listeners who live in Hawaii, let us know. Do you love living there, or is it... 
does it have its own issues, you know? Um, because I imagine just like living anywhere else, there are pros and cons. And I think and, those cons are, are, you know, they're a deal breaker for some people. What you were saying about <laughs> Shannon, she is the ultimate character who, if she had stuck around, we probably would have been like, oh, we hated Shannon those first two seasons. But now by like season five, we love Shannon. And we were, when we are recording this, Game of Thrones is still a thing <laughs> on the air. And one of the examples I always think about is um, Sansa, who was, granted, she was just a little girl. Yeah. But she was a character that I was like, oh, this character is so annoying. Stupid Because she Sansa. believed in fairy tales. And yeah. Now I I love her. I think she's a great character, and because they took time to, and you see that a lot. There are always these characters on shows that you start off hating them, maybe not even because they're a villain. You just don't. There's something about them that rubs you the wrong way, and then you see like, oh, that was intentional. And look, they had because they had four or five years, they were able to turn that character. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever watched any of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. But um, another great example, and <clears throat> I feel like this happens a lot with characters who are women, um, but another great example of like a character that everyone hated when she was first introduced is a character named Ahsoka Tano, who was Anakin Skywalker's apprentice in the film The Clone Wars, and then they turned that film into a television series. And over the course of the television series, she got so such good development and everyone fell in love with her and now she's one of the most popular characters in the franchise to the point where news outlets are are putting out tweets where they're like oh the most popular figurine star wars character is a character you've probably never heard of it's a girl named ahsoka tano and to you i say you suck get out of here get this trash off of my timeline ahsoka's oh, great by the way i love your news twitter voice <laughs> i want i want you to deliver all i want you to just read all the cnn tweets to me like <laughs> Like, Donald Trump today? Like, he won't give his tax returns. Like, I want you to just... I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what voice I did. <laughs> I was just like, what is some idiot who doesn't know who... who <laughs> what is some idiot who has some stupid hot take about Ahsoka sound like? That's what they sound like to me. Um, uh, uh, but, so, oh. Oh, no, no. Um, The... Like this is a this is kind of a tr I feel like we're stumbling onto what is a very complicated issue because I think killing off a female character for the Kate for the sake of a male character's angst can be very problematic. It's also an easy way in storytelling. You know, there are plenty of male it's it's not nearly as frequent. But there are cases of male characters getting killed off so that the female character can then, like, you know, rise above or go on a revenge quest. It doesn't happen nearly as often, but it is a storytelling device. The, so that's why I'm saying it can be problematic. And in this particular case, I feel like it steers on the problematic side of things because she was just becoming a person, you know? She was just getting all this development. She was just... I, starting to be I, redeemed in the audience's eyes. I think that, I mean, I think the the storytelling of the tail section conflict, like, helps, though. 
I do think that that I I, I do understand. But there were a, other things that you could do. Yeah, like what? Like Sawyer drops. <laughs> you're Sawyer's not gonna, got a thing. fever. <laughs> but you're not gonna kill Sawyer. I mean, here's and this is not this this I think isn't a problem with this episode. This you can argue is a problem yeah, yeah. with the first season. For sure. That, I will say. I think it's a big all, flaw in season one. Yeah. All the characters, and they probably just had too many fucking characters. Yeah. And they, but, but I say that, and, and then, then I'm like, no, no they're I, all wonderful. I say that they're killing a character and then bringing on a whole bunch more, but <laughs> but, but but pretty soon most of them will be dead too. Um, two of them before the season's over. Um, I mean, that's the thing is like there are problems with it. But I also understand mechanically what they're trying to do. And I don't think they were trying to make a larger statement about women or women's place in the media or anything like that. I don't think that was the intent, you know? Um, no, they were making what they thought was a like a good story turn. And, and it, like, right now, I'm in a very weird position right now in terms of my relationship with the media that I consume and the fandoms that I, I delve into. And I but I, I know we, we should probably get to actually talking about the episode proper, but I actually wanted to posit a thought exercise to you real quick. To um, me or to the audience or to both? To both. I Because, like, looking at this... Like, looking at this in particular, the death of Shannon... And I go, this isn't cool because it's problematic. Like, but I also understand it from, like, their point of view and what they were clearly trying to do. So, but, like, a lot of, a lot of fan bases right now, like, everyone has, and I know this is the pot calling the kettle black, but everyone has a friggin' hot take about everything right now. And there's a lot of entitlement in fandom these days and a lot of fans feel like they're entitled to certain things happening in the media that they consume and as storytellers i think that's slightly unreasonable for every audience member to like feel like the storyteller owes you something in particular but there's a trade-off because a show doesn't become successful without its fans so what i wanted to ask you will and to the audience is does like do storytellers owe anything to their fans and this isn't unnecessarily a yes or no but do they owe them anything what they owe them is to be able to tell the best story that they feel their version of the best story possible but guess what sometimes that's not going to match up with what they like that's the only thing they owe them i don't think they owe him because then aren't we talking about fan service? Yeah. Aren't we just talking about... And I mean, sometimes fan service... We were just talking about Avengers Endgame off, off air. That movie has a lot of glorious fan service. It does. You it know? does indeed. But I mean, it, it's, done, it's done well. Um, I, I mean, I don't think they... Oh, and maybe I'm saying this also because, like, I write. I publish a novel. I've tried to sell screenplays. I don't think they that they owe them anything more than to try to tell the best story possible. And here's the other thing. Someone's going to be upset no matter what you do. Yeah. And that's my big thing. Like, no matter who you kill, you don't kill, no matter what characters you hook up or don't hook up, 
someone's going to be annoyed. So I think because we live in such an age where these fan bases are so polarized and Twitter gives everybody such a loud voice, <laughs> and Twitter is also not the reality of, like, like you know, I'm, I'm, again, the current show right now, it'll be done by time this episode <laughs> airs, but, but Game of Thrones, it's funny because... Is Sansa on the Iron Throne yet? Yeah. That's, <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Who's on the Iron Throne? I still got money on Sansa. Um, by the time we record our next episode, we'll know for sure. But um, the thing about it is, uh, you know, Twitter's not like reality. Yeah. When people, like, I watched Game of Thrones in the for this past episode, and the initial reaction was... We love this episode. And then five hours later, we hate this episode. I'm like, who are these people now? <laughs> and I don't like... But it's just, who watched the episode between now, like when it aired and five hours later? <laughs> um, Star Wars is another great example. Mm-hmm. I, have lo- I have some issues with some of the standalone films, but I have loved, loved, loved Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I think they Same. are wonderful. If you were to go to certain sections of the internet you would think the world hates these movies that they are garbage but the fact is in the real world these movies are giant beloved hits that people nine out of ten people watching these movies aren't going on twitter uh reading all the hot takes about it they're just enjoying the movies and so that's why I'm like, at creators of things, like, I don't think you owe us anything because you can't please all the people. The, I think it's a complicated issue because... I mean, if you... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, But you talking made me think of something else. If you, you could argue they owe something not to the fans, but to society. Yeah, that's Whether fair. it be in representation or things like that. But, you know, if, you know. Just because your ship doesn't happen, like, the the writers were under no obligation to make your ship happen. You yeah. Know, that sort of I'm, thing. Look, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would have loved to see Captain America dancing with uh, Bucky <laughs> at the, at, in Endgame, you know. But it wasn't going to happen. Spoiler alert. Well, that wasn't as... I tell you, he doesn't get... Captain America doesn't get together with Bucky. (laughs) But, I mean, but I'm sure there are people who are like, well, I have... um, My fandom has always thought those two should be together. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get why you like that, but I feel like... I worry that sometimes it goes beyond just being a fun thing that people posit. And then it gets into, like you said, like, well, if it doesn't happen that way, this thing's bullshit, and these people who made it are bullshit. Yeah. But, but there is something to be said of of inclusion and representation. Of and I course, think they, that means a lot to me. I think they have a, I think in, and I don't think, I don't think something from years ago, I, I'm not one to, like, go relitigate the past. Like, yeah, it should have been that way. It wasn't. doesn't mean it wasn't a good product but in 2019 yeah you should make sure you have a diverse cast you should have a diverse cast diverse writers room exactly um Um, but also know that when you have a diverse cast 
that sometimes some of that diversity, the way TV is now, is going to get killed just because you kill characters on every show constantly. <laughs> and it's it's a tough, because I think when people cast somebody, you know, it's, the, TV shows are so complex, and art is so complex, and because, as we'll see later in the series, there are actors who will leave, not because the writers wanted them to, that they wanted to leave. So if you cast the a woman or a minority in a featured role and then something behind the scenes they want to leave or something just in the way like oh shit the story should really go this way i mean then is it is it wrong that they killed off the minority character i don't i don't it's, think so but i get why people would be bothered exactly because there there are lots of problematic tropes out there i 100% concur with that and I feel it when it happens and it hurts but at the same time you have to look at things not necessarily in tropes but contextually speaking and how how it serves the story or how it how contextually in like the zeitgeist of production these things happen and like and that's where I start to have a little bit of a problem with a lot of fandoms who have their hot take on like whether or not something was morally right that showrunners did or didn't do. And because a lot of people who have those hot takes don't have an understanding of how the media works. And that's one of the reasons why I find everyone's hot take about everything so exhausting because it's like, well, you know, for for people who have like a million hot takes on, say, the Sonic the Hedgehog design, who, you know, for the trailer, who were like, oh, this design looks ugly and dumb. Well, it's like, yeah, you're allowed to think that the design looks weird, but, like, it's unfair to expect the animators to be able to fix it, quote-unquote, by November. That's, like, not how the animation... That's a bunch of, that's a bunch of bullshit yeah, that they're even trying that. That's not fair to the animators and that's not how the animation pipeline works and so people demanding all these things about certain shows have no idea how production works and so here's the to go back to the original question of do creators owe their fans anything i think it's honestly a case-by-case basis and it depends on the nature of the relationship between the fandom and the creator because on the one hand on the one hand, I'm the type of person who, when I write something, I throw it out into the world and then I hide under a rock because I'm like, I can't bear to to think of what the world will think of this because I'm a garbage writer and it's not good. Um, but for a lot, of, a lot of other people, you know, they just love telling stories. And so if you tell the best story that you can and people either like it or they don't and you take that as it is. But then there are other things where money is involved and merchandising is involved and so marketing will manipulate people into buying things for said franchise and then that franchise ultimately ends up disappointing people like you know is does that change the nature of the relationship between fans and creators and then kind of conversely too we also live in like a culture of patreon where people give directly to the people who make content and i think in in our Patreon culture, yes, like people do very much owe things to their fans because they're basic. They owe things to their investors, essentially. And a lot of television showrunners and writers, you know, their investors are 
producers and networks and sponsors. They're not necessarily the people who are watching the show. So there's this weird, there's this weird relationship when money starts to be involved. So Shannon's death has sent us down <laughs> quite a rabbit hole. It has, that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not your fault. I, I figured we would get into some of this stuff. But now let's get into the episode. So long story short, guys, I want to hear your thoughts. Let us know. Uh, do you think when do you think that? Yeah, we just want to hear your thoughts. Were you devastated when Shannon died? What did you think of how this affected the 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 story overall? And yeah, do you think that Lindelof and, you know, uh, Carlton Coos. Carlton Coos. Do you think that Lindelof and Coos owe their fans an explanation when, like, a mystery didn't pan out? Like, let us know. What do you think? You know how I feel about that one. Now, let's start with the flashback. And (laughs) it's 30 minutes into this podcast. Um, Shannon. We'll we'll go through it kind of fast, because Shannon didn't matter in the end. (laughs) Oh, ow! Um, Shannon is teaching ballet. She seems like, she seems very pleasant. She seems warmer. She doesn't seem, like, bitter and arrogant. Who knew that teaching was actually a strong suit for her? And then she gets the call that her father has been in an accident. (sighs) And, this was rough. And then uh, we go to the hospital. By the way, who's racing in the background? No way. Jack. I, can, I blinked and I missed it. You blinked and missed <laughs> oh, it. Oh, no. But there's a moment where Jack pushes past them. Was he wearing that awful wig? I have to know. <laughs> I, I'm, I think so. <laughs> I can't quite remember. I can't remember whether he had like he was in like full scrubs or not. Oh, but, that's so funny. But I now I'm blanking about the awful wig because probably anytime I think about that wig, I want to block that in my head. Here's the thing: is like, yeah, if you're not remembering the wig, it probably wasn't there because when the wig is there, it makes you so angry. <laughs> you probably would have remembered it. So you probably would have written it down wearing that stupid wig. <laughs> so yeah. Um, (laughs) the, and Shannon's stepmom's there, and Shannon's stepmom hates her. Dude! She's the evil stepmom. Yeah! She's a stereotype. What even is this? I mean, and she's just, like, that basically doesn't even think about Shannon's feelings in this whole situation. No. But then at the funeral, who shows up? Boone. Boone. And they drink. He's alive in our hearts. And they drink scotch together. I can get behind that. Yeah. (laughs) And um, that's when Shannon expresses her desire that she wants to go to New York. There's an internship at like a dance studio Mm -hmm. where she wants to. That's where she wants to be to continue this work she's doing. And she's worked really hard to try to get this. But, you know, New York's expensive. I know. Um, but she's gonna go. That's what she's. That's what she wants. And Boone's, you know, that'll be great. Boone will be there. You get a sense like, and maybe it's because she's only like seventeen. I think now. Yeah. That Boone. Like hasn't, she just turned eighteen. Yeah. That Boone hasn't. Uh, 
Like, it doesn't feel... Like, it feels like a caring boon, but not yet like a lovelorn boon. I don't know. Because, like, they made it pretty explicit that he's always loved her. Like, ever ever since they were... Ever since their parents first got together. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's not real incest, But, but this, this is <laughs> why this whole thing bothers me, is because he actually does lo- act like a stepbrother. Like, a, like an older stepbrother in this episode. Yeah. And like, and it's it it to me, he's acting like a brother here, like a distant yeah. or a strange I brother. I mean, maybe but a that's what, maybe that's why I'm feeling like I'm not sensing it in the romantic stuff that I know is there below the surface. <laughs> the less I think about it, the better. Um, but but yeah, he's he's because like we also know that their their relationship takes a downhill, <laughs> goes downhill very very quickly after this whole affair because like her dad's death is the catalyst for all of that yeah um so they're on good terms now not by the end um well shannon she finds out she gets in she got the internship it's everything she ever wanted and then seconds later oh sweetie an internship isn't all you've ever wanted (laughs) internships are terrible and usually unpaid just like this one (laughs) but then on the heels of this her rent check bounces but as her roommate says how can your rent by the way this roommate's probably very concerned about this too Um, aren't you like rich yeah yeah shannon's loaded so she goes to see her stepmom, and it turns out that Shannon's father was an idiot. He didn't have a will. Instead, he had a living trust with the stepmom who hates his daughter. So he really was not prepared to take care of his daughter. Like he no. must have known like, that they that they had a a, a bad relationship. Here's the thing: her turning eighteen is a huge. It sucks so bad for her right here. Because if she was 17, like, she wouldn't legally be an adult. And this woman would be obligated to take care of her. But because she's 18, you know, she doesn't... There, There is no such obligation. And Shannon wants to be... I mean, look, what Shannon's asking for, for a normal family, no, would be a big it's... ask. But not for a rich family. She wants to go do this internship, and she needs someone to, like... Yeah. Pay for the apartment in New York. And, you know, it's not like she's going to be, you know, sitting on her hands or anything like that. Like, she's going to be working 16 hours a day. But we play. Is what she says. <laughs> yeah, there's this idea, though, that Shannon's like, oh, this is another one of Shannon's wackies. Like, we mm. bought you that drum set last year, and it just stayed in the <laughs> and closet. And it just stayed in the closet. We, you know, like, yeah, remember when you wanted to play baseball, and we bought you a glove? We, you, you played once, up? and then you never went out onto the diamond again. <laughs> yeah, it's that thing. <laughs> and the mother, the stepmom does this whole, that bullshit thing of, like, this is for your own good kind of attitude. Like, you're gonna, uh, fuck you. What would be good is she being in this internship. Dude, like, she's actually showing initiative at something. But here's <laughs> what makes the stepmom so fucked up. Boone goes to the stepmom and was like, oh, I need some money. Stepmom mm-hmm. will give him money. She turns him down. 
because she knows. She knows what he's doing. And then she... Do you think she knows he's in love with her? Probably. Probably. Gross. And (laughs) instead, she offers him a job that he can't refuse, so he's forced to leave New York. She only offers her son this job to fuck Shannon over so she doesn't have a place to stay in Manhattan. Yeah. Like, that's deep-seated hatred. Do you think she's, like, in the same book club as Susan? <laughs> like, these manipulative monsters? They're terrible people. They're sitting down and reading The Prince for, like, their book club and going, like, what can we take from this and incorporate to make our children's lives worse? And then they have this big conversation where Boone basically... Shannon realized Boone doesn't believe in her either. No, no. And, like, on the one hand, I don't necessarily want to blame him for taking, like, the job because... No, it was like she made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Exactly. Like, if I were... Like, if all of a sudden my my parents want me to move back home and get a job in our hometown just, you know, so I'm not as far away. And, like, I'm like, nah, nothing would make me want to leave L.A., but, like, if my, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, if my dad came up to me and was like, Megan, I'm offering you $100,000 a year to do this, I'd be like, okay, bye, Los Angeles, I have to go. <laughs> well, listen, you can't take that job out of L.A. until we're done with this podcast. And at this we rate, Skype. at this rate, it'll be like 2027. <laughs> but, so. like, so I, I get, like, not being able to turn down that offer but also boone's a smart guy i I don't remember how much older he is than shannon but like he also seems to have a lot of promise like he doesn't need this job i think part of also why he accepted was not only because she made him an offer he couldn't refuse but if he had refused it she'd do the same to him now this is all cross-cut with saeed not necessarily not believing in her, but not believing her. Because she's spewing nonsense about Walt being <laughs> running around and talking in backwards messages. So now let's go to the island. Shannon. I do want to say that the flashback does end with her saying, I don't want your money, which I think is a tragic statement for that character because later on she will do everything she can to take money from him and what this statement implies is that it's not for the money it's specifically to hurt him yeah well you know his mother hurt her yeah i mean the 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 stepmom caused this whole there's another scenario by the way in which boone doesn't take that job she moves to New York, stays in his apartment. And they, they fall, fall in, in love. love. <laughs> if they treated it like clueless, it wouldn't be terrible. But because they don't, it's super gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you don't have any clueless issues? I do have clueless issues, but it's Paul Rudd, and so that makes it slightly better. <laughs> I don't know. No... It bothers me there, too. It really does. Anyway. So back on the island. <laughs> Would you watch that movie? <laughs> of Shannon and Boone living in New York and falling in love? Ugh. I mean. That rom-com? We'd Ugh. have to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to the island, please. 
So Saeed is trying again with Shani. He's trying to get things started with Shani. He's built himself a little love hut. Uh, look at Saeed always doing like candlelit dinners on the island, being he all built, romantic. He basically built a house, the <laughs> island equivalent of a house. Yeah, and, he did. And she didn't, nobody noticed he was building this thing. He's like, you haven't seen a lot of me in this season either. I, I went to the hatch and fixed that whole thing. But apart from that, I've been doing nothing. So let's just say I've been building this house. And then they, He's you know, very talented, though. They come in there, they start things start getting romantic of course has to pull the gun out of his pants <laughs> is that a pistol in your pocket or are you just happy to see me but it's definitely the pistol he does it in the, the, the most romantic <laughs> way the reason he still carries the gun is he has someone to protect good good line good line yeah. <laughs> it's smooth um uh, i love this guy <laughs> and you know so they they have sex mm-hmm Saeed's like, I'm going to go get water. <laughs> well, she was getting up first, and he's like, no, 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 let me. <laughs> but, let me be a gentleman and go get you a glass, my fair lady. A glass of water from the, <laughs> from the, the spring. <laughs> um, and then, all of a sudden, after he leaves, who appears but Walt? The Wal- specter of Walt. Weird speaking shushing you is he still all wet i believe he's all wet weird 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 and (laughs) of course she starts freaking out and saeed doesn't believe her because like you said it's a bunch of hot nonsense (laughs) to be fair they're like i do go like why are all the women on this island getting gaslit (laughs) yeah i mean It's, it's, I mean, I guess that's part of, I guess Jacob likes gaslighting. He, why does he like gaslighting people? <laughs> Jacob, you, I know you work in mysterious ways, but your ways make no sense. <laughs> that's why they're mysterious. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> You're a dick, Jacob. <laughs> so, Saeed doesn't believe her, but she's determined Walt is here on this island. I am going to find him. So she goes and, and, uh, you know. Goes to his clothes, makes Vincent sniff the clothes, and then it's like... Like he's a bloodhound. Yeah, we're off to the races. <laughs> Vincent's running around, but... He's probably chasing island squirrels, you know? <laughs> but but part of this is that Shannon knows that Walt might not be on the raft. Because, because she of knows... the bottle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although, I still would argue they're inferring a lot from just this bottle. If pieces of the raft washed ashore... That'd be one thing. But just the bottle, I feel like they're jumping, they're getting a little too, I, but I guess they would be panicking. Like, honestly, if somebody I knew went on that raft and then they took off and then a couple days later the bottle washed up on shore, I would also assume the worst, in all honesty. I guess so. If I, I guess because life, I have the hindsight of knowing. Yeah, and, but like, they went off into the ocean. The ocean will. <laughs> like... I get why, like, they go to worst-case scenarios. And Shannon has no reason to believe that Walt is currently astro-projecting his image here. And this is assuming it's Walt and his powers and not the island just fucking with I her. I mean, it could be the smoke monster. Yeah. I Which, honestly, in fact, 
the smoke monster is the is the thing that makes more sense because in this that would scenario. be the kind of thing that would put her in the position where she would get shot. Yeah, and what does the smoke monster want to sow seeds of discontent between these two groups? Because if they can kill each other, then that's less candidates for Jacob. You know, so like I get that. But I literally, like, if, and if that were the case, I would be, I would actually be on board with this. But because I don't think that was the case, I think this is actually supposed to be Astro projecting. projecting. I'm not about it. <laughs> it makes me angry. Um, yeah, I don't know which one I think. You know, I, I, I guess I lean towards Smoke Monster only because we never get fully realized what all of Walt's well, powers are. And we know the smoke monster could do something like this. Here's the thing. I'm like, if this is Walt, which it probably is, what's he trying to accomplish? Is he trying to get the two groups back together? If so, like, that's stupid because the other group is just already on their way back. Well, I mean, maybe he's just trying to get help for himself. Maybe. He's been captured and he's trying but then to... Why go, That's weird. That's weird. Why are you so weird, Walt? <laughs> Which is what I keep saying in Game of Thrones this season. I'm like, why are you so weird, Bran? Stop being weird. Oh, I would totally be down to watch a show of Bran and Walt. <laughs> I think Walt's a lot more well-adjusted than Bran I don't point. care whether it's Bran on the island or Walt in Winterfell. Oh, my God. Either way, I'm here for it. Um, You're so weird, Walt. So... Saeed finds Shannon, like, sitting next to Boone's grave, all sad. And he's yeah. like, oh, you're sad about Boone. And she's like, no, I gotta find Walt. <laughs> like, but no, you were sad about Boone. That's why you stopped there for so long. But Saeed, like, he's placating her to a point. Like, he yeah. doesn't believe this, but he's going to go. Like, if this is what you saw, let's go look for it. But Shannon is, like, one track. My, I gotta find, gotta find pouring rain she's like um and she's running through the rain determined because nobody ever expects anything from her and she and wants then, for once to do the right thing and they they end up having this really great conversation in which basically she's bearing her soul and she's like i need you to believe in me uh, because nobody believes yeah, in me they think i'm a joke they think i'm worthless uh and she's like, and like, we got this thing going here, but you're just going to leave me. People leave her. And that's when Saeed said he's never going to leave her. And this is a lie. I don't think it's a lie. He's got Nadia, though. But I think in this moment, when I think when he says these words, he believes that. I don't know. I literally don't know if I don't, he's just lying to make her feel better. I don't think so. And it's... And maybe again, I'm using this. Okay, we're go I'm going to do a uh, a final episode of Lost Spoiler. Here. <laughs> so you know, we already gave our spoiler alert at the top of the. But episode. I mean, this is real final episode because in the afterlife that is created in what's the Flash sideways, he finds Shannon, and mm -hmm. they are meant for each other. And that has always rang a little false to me because of Nadia. Yeah. But seeing this conversation makes me think 
maybe there's something more to that. And maybe it's because I'm believing Saeed. I believe he... I mean, you believe he cares about her. Yes, I do. I think when he says those words, that is what is in his heart and that's what he believes. Then he must have a really short attention span. Because, like, after... I feel like after this, like, I don't know how many episodes he's all upset about Shannon, but after that, she doesn't get a mention from him for several seasons. He all, it becomes all about Nadia and trying to get back to Nadia and wanting to avenge Nadia later on. Shannon doesn't get a word. Okay, look, maybe my memory of season two and three isn't as strong as it once was, but really doesn't all become all about Nadia again once he's with Nadia, once he gets off the island? I don't know. I don't remember a lot of him in season three, like, storming up and down the beach going like, Man, I miss that Nadia. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. But I also then again, don't remember him mourning Shannon all that much. So, like, again, my memory is real. As as many of our listeners <laughs> will men, will mention, my memory about this series is real spotty. I don't remember a lot from season three and four and even five. Like, there's a lot of missing from my memory because I I missed I episodes. I, I Episodes, would I would watch them and not absorb I them. I think four and five stick out in my head very well because then that's when, like, shit was getting really crazy. But I, That was the time where I was getting really fatigued with the show, so I would watch episodes and I wouldn't care about them. I, I think the other thing is... Look, when this show ended, even a year after the show ended, I was, I swear to God, I was an encyclopedia about this stuff. But since then, I've had to push all this information out <laughs> to fill it with <laughs> the Game MCU, of Thrones. Yeah. The MCU and M- Game the, of Thrones. The MCU, uh, you know, Agents The Walking Shield, Dead, Clone Breaking Club. Bad, Orphan Black. And, you know, quite frankly, this shit from Orphan Black, I don't remember. Oh, and I did a podcast. There's lots from Orphan Black for I have forgotten. Years. <laughs> so you know, so that, <laughs> it's fun to go back and listen to our old podcast about Clone Club and go, wow. <laughs> By the time we're done with this podcast, you and me will have to do another Orphan Black. <laughs> to do a five years later retrospective yeah. on Orphan Black. Um. So then, Said says that he he will never leave her. Then they hear the whispers, and they both hear her. Yeah, and that you know this means a lot. To both Shannon and Saeed because Saeed totally thought he was like having an auditory hallucination when he heard those whispers. He thought he was dehydrated and, you know, yeah. manic. But now they're both seeing him and guess what else? Oh, hearing him and guess what else? They see Walt. They both see Walt. Yeah. Yep. And Saeed's kind of stunned by this. But Shannon. She's like, there he is. Goes charging into the jungle. And Saeed's like, no. Shannon, and then he trips. <laughs> and then you hear a gunshot. Mm-hmm. Let's reset the tail section. Ooh. Aww. <laughs> the tailies are on the move. And there's a great moment where Sawyer's <laughs> basically shitting on Michael and the idea of, like, and then Michael just shows up at that moment. Yep. So that you can totally hear like sitcom music in your head when, <laughs> when yeah. that happens. 
And Sawyer, it's like Sawyer willed it into existence. Well, like, here's the thing. With what we get from Sawyer later on, this is what happens. He feels guilty about something, so he's making himself the bad guy. Yeah. That's what he's doing, because he feels guilty about not going after Michael like Jin did. But Sawyer legitimately is in no position to do that. No, no. But, like, that doesn't change the fact that Jin and Mr. Echo went after Michael and, and Sawyer didn't. And all this entire season, Sawyer showed that he clearly cares about these people. Yeah. Like, he wants he, to pretend he doesn't, but, but, but that's does. the charming rogue. Oh, that's, that's the Han Solo. Um, and it's a good thing Echo and the rest of them show back up because Anna Lucia is lost. <laughs> she doesn't know where she's going. Echo knows how to go places. I liked um, you better when you didn't talk as much. Anna Lucia, is, why are you so mean? Which is something we're going to get to when we find out more about in the what was going on in the other days. Oh, Mr. Echo. <laughs> um... But he mentions that they saw the others. Yeah. And Libby's very like, did you see the kids? And the answer is yes, because we saw a teddy we bear. Saw the kids, yeah. But they got to press forward. They have to go. They're trying to get to the beach and the caves where they're, uh, where the, the other passengers are. And they ask Echo, how long is it going to take? And he says, a day, maybe more, maybe less. <laughs> Which I love. And I mean, Anne is like annoyed by this. I love lines like that. Oh, I love Mr. There's a line in, so much. There's a line in Reservoir Dogs like, either they got away, or they didn't, or the cops got them, or they got out of there. Like, it's like, and it's like, I, I'm butchering it, it's, but it's like. It's, it's not like an give, answer. Yeah, you just give every possibility. Like, no, so it's going to be. Literally, it could be so, any time. So thank you for that non-statement. <laughs> this is where we also now, Libby takes a look at Sawyer's room because Sawyer keeps stopping. Like, yeah. Sawyer can't really, he's having trouble. He's ever. got a fever. He's got a fever. And the only prescription <laughs> is, is antibiotics, yeah. I assume. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Libby, like, is taking a look at it because she's a... Clinical psych- psychologist. Yeah, she's a psychologist. Which, to be fair, you have to take a lot of medicine classes when you do that. Because usually you're prescribing prescription drugs. You have to take a lot of biology classes when you're a, when you're a psychologist. Yeah, but there's some other things going on with Libby. Dude, when she said she was a clinical psychologist, I was like, mm, that feels like a lie <laughs> based on what I know about you. Now, Sawyer's wound is bad. And Echo is looking, and you can see the wheels turn in Echo's head, and Anna Lucia sees him. And he's like, ah, it might be tough getting over those like cliffs there. We should cut inland. And she's like, you only want to cut inland because you want to get this guy back to his people faster because he's obviously dying. Oh. And Echo is basically like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, this is what we're going to do. And and honestly, why wouldn't you go the faster route? Well, the reason is they're afraid of the others. That's fair. That's where the okay. others are. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Uh, because that, <laughs> And that's the thing. So they're walking through the jungle, and Anna Lucia, like, doesn't want anyone talking. And Michael's finally like, like what happened to you people? What happened? Like, you have to tell me. Which is only fair. Yeah. And now we find out why Anna 
is afraid of the others or doesn't want to confront them. She tells the story of how the first night they took three people. Three people just disappeared from their camp. Mm-hmm. Then two weeks go by, took nine more. The others were picking them off. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want that to happen to them. So that she wants them all to be quiet. And honestly, this is, again, I will come to Anna Lucia's defense several times in the, over the course of this podcast. It doesn't justify the murder at the end here. <laughs> and it certainly doesn't justify everything she does. But based on their experiences, and we'll really get into it in the next episode, like based on their experiences, like I understand the paranoia. And I understand the the temper. I, I get where she's coming from. And she's easy. not wrong necessarily. It's easier to hate her because you don't know her full story. Just like it's kind of easier to hate Shannon because you didn't know Shannon's full story. Oh, man. This whole episode is real heartbreaking. Never, well, Shannon did try to kill Locke. Um, anyway. But, like, to be fair, Locke was being real weird. <laughs> he was responsible for Boone's death and then, like, you know, showed up covered with blood and then, like, lied about it. So, like, I get it. <laughs> get it, Shannon. So, Jin is trying to help Sawyer along, but doesn't work. Should Sawyer- we also, po- like, I do want to ask, like, do we think Libby was, like, lying to make Sawyer feel better or do we think that she's that just she doesn't like, know that she has no idea because she's lying I, about being a clinical psychologist I in the moment I thought she was lying to make to, him feel better because here's the thing there's no way she's ever gonna and no one would ever tell him the truth in that moment yeah no one would be like this You're looks gonna terrible be fine. Gonna, they have to tell him because <laughs> I mean there, no there, there's nothing around them they have to get back to people they have to get back to a doctor they have to get back to things um. Although you know what would make Sawyer like march on, telling him, "You should sit down. <laughs> yeah. You're not doing great. Shut up. <laughs> I'm doing great. I go where I want." That would make Sawyer march on a lot, probably a lot more effectively than lying to him. In all honesty, that's true. <laughs> People on Look, this island are real stubborn. <laughs> he's got an infection. He's dehydrated, so he collapses. I don't think he ever like really ate i think at some point he refused like food or water or something like that because he was being stubborn anna lucia and here's where no no amount of what they've gone through justifies this with anna lucia she wants to leave him just leave him in the jungle i mean to be fair she doesn't really know him she has uh, no allegiance to him yeah but i mean no 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 don't get me wrong i get it you like, leave someone for dead no. just because you have no no uh, no, no, no know him here's the thing will I'm overly empathetic to a lot of people, but like for people like Anna Lucia who have been hurt and who have been through trauma, like you, like your empathy reservoirs dry up real quick. And like there's technically still a possibility that he might be another anyway, you know? Like she might believe Jin and Sun, but like this could all still be a long con from the others. You never know. So, and like, She's not a doctor, and I don't know if she knows that they have a doctor in their group. So to her, yeah, he might already be dead, and there's, like, nothing that can be done about it. I feel like you're you're doing backflips to try to justify. <laughs> Mental gymnastics. And, uh... No, she's being really mean right now. <laughs> I, um, I 100% 
get where she's coming from, that doesn't make it okay. The, I uh, would not leave Sawyer to die, Will. The other, That's what I'm saying. The, I would never leave Sawyer behind. The other crew, rest of her crew. Who's Kate. More. <laughs> the other crew who's a little more uh, human. They're like, Will, like Bernard's helping build yeah. a stretch. They build a stretcher. They're carrying Sawyer the stretcher. It's going great until they have to climb a giant wall of rocks. Oh. And, oh. and they're bringing them up that that. And then in a moment that's actually kind of creepy. When they get to the top, they realize Cindy, Cindy the flight attendant, yeah. is gone. Do we ever find out what happens to her? Yeah, we see her. Later. Okay, I was going to say, like, she just disappears. But she disappears. And, and it's kind of eerie. Yeah, and, and you know, she uh, Anna Lucia turns to Mr. Echo and she's like, this one's on you. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy, gone. And But you know what's not gone? Whispers. More whispers. Whisper, 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 whisper. And Anna Lucia and the rest of them, they're running through the jungle. So, can I ask, because we know that the whispers and the others are two different things, what are the dead people on the island doing yapping up right now? Maybe they're trying to convey, uh, like, hey, whatever you do, don't shoot the blonde girl who's <laughs> running right towards you. did the thing we asked you not to do oh no and like when they're whispering over by shannon and saeed hey be careful (laughs) that cop lady's gonna shoot you (laughs) yeah let me tell you what the whisper the whispers we don't know i mean they're just the people who are dead they don't mean they were good people (laughs) right maybe maybe they just wanted to gossip they're like where did Cindy go? Oh, I heard Cindy went over to the others. And did you hear? <laughs> that's that's the voice of the dead people on the I like that. It's almost as good as your uh, news Twitter voice. <laughs> um, so they run. And uh, then we see what was on the other end of that gunshot. Because oh. Saeed comes to a clearing. And Anna Lucia is there with the gun. Shannon, dead on the ground. Yeah. She dies a sad, sad, (laughs) meaningless death. The the deaths on TV shows where, like, it so easily could have been prevented, like, hit really hard. Because that's, like, death in real life, man. Where, you know, it's all... It's too real sometimes. People just, you know, you're here one minute and then somebody's not paying attention on the road and boom, you're gone. It's rough. It's rough. Um, There is one more storyline. We got to get Yes. <laughs> but is there? <laughs> we um, were talking about this at the top of the show. This is the storyline that, you know. This was the thumbnail worthy storyline. What even was this? <laughs> um... So, in a real obnoxious moment, yeah, Charlie criticizes Claire for waking up the baby, and he's acting like he's the baby's father. He's like, "Ah, the baby's gonna be up all day now. Like, why'd you wake the baby?" She's like, "I thought we might have to like." like run away. There like, was clearly trouble. Like, I thought she needed help. Yeah, he's like, "Never, like, don't wake the baby." He's gonna be fussy all day. Um, like 
there's a lot of like in season two and three there are a lot of dick charlie moments yeah where he's trying to be part of this uh i mean charlie ultimately is a lovable character and totally but he's redeems a, he's, most, he's but, a b-team character who thinks he belongs on the a-team yes and <laughs> you know to use his terminology and claire's expresses later to Locke that she was annoyed with Charlie, but then also Charlie proved to be correct. Oh, so it was like... I get that. Like, I hate when people, like, act all superior um, in giving you unsolicited advice, but they're not wrong. Yeah. Like, that's a super frustrating thing to have to, like, contend with because it's like, on well, the one hand, they're right. On the other hand... You didn't have to be so condescending. But there's a weird family dynamic aspect to it. Yeah. It's not just like... He's like acting Char- like a weird patriarch in this moment. Charlie's yeah. playing dad. Yeah. Charlie, this isn't your kid. No. Um, <laughs> to be fair, the kid's dad isn't around and yeah. didn't want to be a part of his life. But yeah. But, then, but that's... I mean, Claire hasn't expressed like... <laughs> I want you to be the baby's father or like... Yeah, he just kind of like... He just inserted himself into that position. So Locke sees Claire struggling with the baby and he swaddles the baby. <laughs> Giving more unsolicited to advice to but, this young but mother. But <laughs> this was, I think, done in a very like... This was done in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't like a, I can't believe you. It's He's, like, I'm going to... Show you something. Yeah. he. It's a teachable moment, not a... Like, because Charlie was scolding her in terms of, like, this is... you, And even later, he's like, she's got a lot to learn as as a mom. You know, she's she's got a lot to learn. Like, he's the authority on raising children. Yeah, well, even Locke calls him out on that later. He's like, oh, you're a heroin addict. Yeah. Um, he's in so, recovery. But not not that John Locke really should be giving anybody <laughs> any advice either because he is in the 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 thrall of a malevolent force. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there at this point. He's he's it's a it's two different teaching methods there. You know that there are those teachers who call you stupid when you don't get something right or call you like like I don't understand how you don't get this here. Like, I'm showing it to you. How do you not understand that? But then there are other ones who are like, hey, let me provide a demonstration on something. And which feels less obnoxious. Like, the the first teacher, you're like, well, I'm not going to put any effort into this class. Yeah. This class bites. <laughs> this is going to be my doodle class. Um, but Locke, this is... Th- th- this is like a teachable moment and he's like hey you want to see something cool and then yeah gets the baby to stop crying and then hand and that's the thing he like hands the baby back to her and but yeah. then well she wants she was like oh you can hold the baby Aww. and Locke is resistant at first but i i what i like about this is this is a moment of like trust has been reestablished because like in the wake of boone's death like a lot of like weird hatch secrets yeah Claire in particular gave Locke a re- like, ugh, like let, let me keep my baby away from this man look yeah. when he showed up to Boone's funeral, covered in blood, and so this this was a moment of like, oh, this is the this is the man that built the crib for my baby, and he taught me something new. This is the guy that teaches me things I never thought I could do. So like, yeah, here you can hold the baby. Is it a um, uh. 
this is a thing where people don't want to hold babies. Because I've been in baby scenarios where people like don't think I want to hold the baby, and I'm like, <laughs> I want to hold that baby. Um. And <laughs> and uh, then they express surprise, like, oh, a lot of guys just don't want to hold the baby. <laughs> like, is that a thing? I guess it's a thing. Here's the thing: is my I'm an odd sample size because I'm at that point in my life where my hormones are like baby about everything. And a lot of my friends are having babies. I always want to hold the baby at a baby shower. I that like sort of thing. The baby. Babies are cute and adorable and I love them. But that's not the case for everyone. Like I know people who are like, mm, kids aren't my thing. Like it's not. And I think the idea is that parents just don't want to make the assumption that like, oh, you're all about kids. If I had a baby, I'd be like, you want to hold my baby? And if they say no, I said, well, you got a problem with my baby? <laughs> yeah. See, um, I always want to hold the baby, but I know people who don't. And I know, other like, there's a, there's a college humor sketch where it's, please don't make me hold your baby. And the whole crux of that sketch is, like, they hand the baby over to somebody who's like, no, like, I spill coffee on myself every morning. Like, this is my phone, and it's all covered in cracks. Like, <laughs> this is the most valuable thing I own, and look at what I've done to it. You've spent nine months making this miracle. I'm going to mess it up. It's a very funny sketch. I highly recommend you go and check it out. So I understand that some people are just anxious about yeah. holding kids. Now, in this conversation, though, mm -hmm. she mentions, like, I don't really even know Charlie. He might be a religious nut. He's got this Virgin Mary statue now. Locke knows the Virgin Mary like, statue. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. Hmm. He knows they're filled <laughs> with heroin. And then Charlie comes. And Charlie, again, being like a dick, this is comes so over, weird. like, mm, as if Locke is trying to romance Claire and raise this baby away from charlie like, like what does he think charlie thinks this is a weird dick measuring contest out of nowhere and then and look here's the thing like all of this is clearly deep-seated insecurity on charlie's yeah, part because i don't think claire's gonna go for Locke. <laughs> um no now later Locke and charlie or or uh what are they do, doing they're playing I do, uh, real quick i do think it's funny that you know again claire and jack are brother and sister they share the same dad i think it is kind of funny that claire is kind of looking at Locke in sort of that father figure mentory sort of way you know, he's kind of filling that father figure role for her and that's the man that is ultimately in the biggest opposition to her brother you know, yeah. this is not anything that's ever explored, and I wish the show had explored it. But, like, it's kind of interesting that Jack's biggest opposition on the island is acting like a father figure to his sister. Like, that's interesting. Why didn't the show ever run with that dynamic? That is interesting. <laughs> Lindelof Coos, you owe it to me <laughs> to explore this. <laughs> Obviously, uh, that's a joke. Please don't yes. take that seriously. Um, and then, uh, there's just a brief conversation where Locke's like, oh, hope you didn't get the wrong idea, and Charlie's clearly jealous. And then Locke Weird. does throw that, like, line at him about like, being oh. an addict, and Charlie's, like, recovering addict. Mm. And we will see more of that in the future. Um, now here's the thing. Does Locke think that Charlie knows that heroin's in there? 
Or, yeah, does he think that, I like, think Locke thinks Charlie knows that. Yeah. Because otherwise, why is Charlie going around with a Virgin Mary statue? Yeah, why? Yeah. That's very, it's a very odd thing. But on the off chance he doesn't, he can't be like, you know, this heroin. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the off chance that he doesn't know that there's heroin in it, you don't want to tell the recovering heroin addict, oh, I know where lots of heroin is. Um... So we should probably put a pin. We should probably wrap this yeah, up. We've sorry, already this done. Is a long, we've long already episode. done all the Shannon death stuff. So let me ask you: What is your Man in Black? I wonder if we're gonna have the same one. It's so weird, and I think that if I was in a slightly different mood while watching this episode, my Man in Black would be different because my knee-jerk reaction is to say, "Killing Shannon." not for the sake of her own character arc, but for the sake of Saeed's character arc, should be my man in black. But honestly, the thing that, that bothers me more in like a meta sense, and that bothers me more in like the flaws in season one and clearly flaws in season two. But honestly, in the episode itself, the thing that bothered me more was this random dick measuring contest that Charlie decided he and Locke were having. So I'm going to say the rant, because we, we did spend a lot of time talking about yeah. Shannon in this episode. And I, I don't want to understate how complicated an issue well, I think it is. Well, I think my man in black isn't necessarily going to be her death, but, and I don't know if this is a cheat because it's not technically this episode, but... I think it's the lack of character development in season one. I think I think, I think a lot a, yeah. of this, a lot of her death would be... I mean, I've basically made the argument that Shannon can die because she's the most expendable of them. And why is she the most expendable of them? Because they didn't give her yeah. a ton of character that's stuff a sh- in that's season That's clearly one. a shortcoming from season one that they carried over into this season. And instead of correcting it by allowing her to become her own person, they corrected it by killing her. And I don't think that was the right move, personally. So then what's your Jacob? Uh... Oh, um. I feel like this is a tricky one because I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a ton of standout stuff. I think there's good stuff, but it's not nothing like one thing that really. You know what? I'm gonna say my Jacob is going to be Sawyer, looking at Michael and going, "I would have left you," and Michael going, "Well, it's a good thing I'm not you," because that's exactly that's to me like the best part of this episode even though it's the B storyline. You know what? It's a tie um, between Sawyer doing this because ultimately, again, he feels guilty. He yeah. feels guilty about not going after Michael, his friend, and Michael's not going to leave him behind anymore. So I love this moment of guilt and then forgiveness. I Because, again, like the show does so little with Michael going forward that moments like this are ones I want to treasure. <laughs> um, and then another good one is Shannon saying, you know, Shannon, Shannon's final scene with Boone, I think is absolutely well, stellar. Well, I'm going to do another weird thing. <laughs> this is, again, it's this is a complicated the, it's episode. The, it's the exact flip side 
I really like the character stuff they did with Shannon in this episode, and maybe that's why I feel like, oh, I wish we had had some of this earlier. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing is, like, again, this is this was one of the first instances of this formula of giving somebody a lot of character development, then killing them to get the audience off balance. This was one of the first instances of that I ever saw, and so it really impacted me when they killed her. I was like, Whoa! Um, it was really unexpected and really upsetting because we were just starting to get to know her. So, uh... I... This is... Um, a final thought? Is I, that what you were I wish I wish that they had given Maggie Grace more to do on this show because as we see in this episode, she had a lot to give. And it's it's a shame that they didn't run But it, with that. it should also be said, it seems like, and again, we don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff. Of course stuff, not. But it no, seems no, no. like there's no ill will there because she does return multiple times throughout the season in little cameos or series. And she, she returns in the finale as yeah. well. So, I don't know. It's a complicated thing. It's a complicated thing. And... Just like everything else, you know, there's a, there are plus sides to it and there's a negative. There's a man in black and a man in white. Um, where can the people find you, Megan? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do uh, they uh, a Rooster Teeth-related uh, podcast on Rooster Team Radio on Anchor. And you can also find that on basically everywhere podcasts are found where... Uh, my Rooster Team cohorts and I talk about uh, Rooster Teeth-related shows, so Gen Lockdown and Red vs. Blue and Ruby and all that fun stuff. Camp Camp's going to be coming back soon, so we'll be talking about that. And I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, and coming up soon, uh, it, we're doing Attack on Titan retrospect not retrospectives, but we're doing Attack on Titan Season 3 reviews. We started with Episode 50, and we're going to be moving forward from there. So if you're a fan of Attack on Titan, be sure to tune in to Silver Screams to hear our thoughts. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Real Will Link. And you can buy my book, Crazy About Kurt. It's on Amazon. If you haven't bought my book, then why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> because you obviously like me on some level, so like me just a little bit more and read my book. <laughs> um, so that's it. Uh, until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will mm -hmm. he? 
Spoiler alert, uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, Rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>